retrograde. Oh my god. What is retrograde to you, Stephanie Simbari? It's just a beautiful show that is our baby that we've created in friendship and love and a desire to help the citizens of the world. Good answer. Right? I've drank coffee today <laughs> with mushroom chaga in it. Oh, I have coffee right now too from one of those like Keurig things. Elizabeth has fallen off the no the no coffee train and she's officially drinking plastic infused plastic, coffee. Plastic cup coffee. <laughs> Welcome to my world. It's called wellness. So you guys, I'm losing Elizabeth for a couple weeks. Yeah. She's going on a health trip to Izzy. That's short for Israel. Yeah. Izzy. Not, not Jesse Israel, although he will be He's there. He's going to be on the trip. Fun. There's, I think there's going to be a lot of, there's a few former guests, but a lot of future guests that are going to be on this excursion. We're basically going for her to network. Yeah, I'm going to network. Yeah. I'm going to go hustle in the holy land, okay? <laughs> Just like God intended. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I'm headed to Israel uh, with the Schusterman Foundation. The trip that I did last year, I'm going and this time taking the leadership skills that I picked up on the last excursion, and now I'm bringing them to go help facilitate this journey. So proud of our girl. Cannot wait to come back and report on all things. Yes. Um, but right now, yes. let's be in the moment. The moment is now. Um. We are continuing on the nutrition-skewed train that we started last week with Alyssa Goodman, mm-hmm. who I... I'm obsessed with. Same. She's so amazing. I need to have a consultation with her. Um, we're having on the show today Annie Lawless. Hi. Also a nutritionist, mm-hmm. but also a really amazing entrepreneurial story. So Annie Lawless is the creator of Suja Juice. You guys may recognize it from your local Whole Foods or other grocery store. Yeah, it's like it's widely distributed. Widely distributed. And great, great description for that. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, And her story is really awesome. She was a law student who decided it wasn't for her. You guys will hear her her story. And then she she took a leap of faith and decided to start making juices. And the rest is kind of history. That's a great story. But also she's got some really useful knowledge in terms of like nutrition and Mm -hmm. consumption and that type of stuff. Which we always like hearing different people's point of views on that. So let's welcome Annie to the show. Thank you for having me. We love a female badass with an entrepreneurial spirit. Thank you. So thanks for joining us. So I read in your bio that you originally were on track to become a lawyer. Yes. I dropped out of law school um, a few years ago. So I was living in Phoenix. I went to undergrad at Arizona State. And I moved to San Diego uh, 2010 to start law school. And I quickly realized, probably within my first semester, that it was the bad, the wrong choice. Like it was just not the right track for me. I was super depressed. I was not passionate about it at all. And when you're in law school, um, everybody that's gone through it knows it's like all in. All you do is hang out with campus people. All you do is study. All you do is research. It's just life consuming. And I realized this was not something I was passionate about. And I was not waking up feeling like I loved what I was doing every day. Do you think it's ironic that your last name is Lawless and you quit law school? You know what? I think it might be. And I remember the first day, I was already so nervous to be there, and, like, every professor, like, wanted to talk about the summer reading and would call on me, and they were like, oh, Annie Lawless, that's interesting. What do you think about this? And I just remember, like, by the end of the day, I was so done, and I was like, God, this is the worst name I could have possibly had in law school. So you had this feeling of unrest with the decision mm-hmm. what misalignment if you will yeah, yeah. What, what really gave you the encouragement to make a different decision so actually what happened I don't even think it was a conscious decision um I was studying for finals in the law library and I literally started having like a panic attack I had been not sleeping. I had been there for probably five hours at this point. You were on a lot of Adderall. You know, I wasn't. Really? <laughs> no. I didn't know people go to law school without I Adderall. Wasn't. That's I wasn't. crazy. <laughs> I was, and I was just so, like, reading the same shit over and over. And I was just feeling like, oh, my God. I, my, I started breathing heavy. I started getting super hot. I started crying. I was just like, I had never experienced anything like that before. It was like my body was literally repelling my situation at that moment. Mm. So I went straight to my guidance counselor. hadn't talked to my parents, nobody in law school, none of my study group, none of my friends. And I literally just, like, was freaking out. And she was probably like, oh, my God, okay, <laughs> whatever you want. Because I was like, I just want to withdraw. I need withdraw papers. I want to withdraw. 
And I did. I signed it right there. That's I amazing. Left, didn't tell anyone, didn't tell my parents. All my friends were texting me the next day at finals, like, where are you? You're going to miss it. Ignored everyone. And I just needed a couple days to, like, really, like, let it sink in and figure out, like, what to do next because mm-hmm. I had just completely blown up my life and everything that I had worked so hard to do and I had no idea what was next. How did you feel after you had signed those papers? Was it a release? Was it... Yeah, it was oddly, like cathartic it was like everything in my body just finally relaxed I went to yoga that night and I just kind of I it's weird looking back I didn't feel as like jarred as I probably should have it was like it it was just done like that and I was just ready to move on and it wasn't really like a big thing Hmm. that's great because that was like actually what you yeah and what was truly in alignment it was like relief it was like sudden finally I could just like (sighs) breathe Okay, so then you told your parents, and what did they do? No, I didn't tell them. So after <laughs> Suja was on shelves. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. You pretended to stay in law school? Yeah. Oh, my God, go on. So they were paying my rent at the time. Um, so they're in Phoenix, and I knew they would have made me move right back. And they were paying my rent as long as I was in law school because when you go to law school, certain schools make you sign a contract if they have a really small program because they want everyone that's there to, like, deserve their spot and be all in that you can't work. So my parents were like, we'll support you while you're in law school. And I figured, well, if I'm not in school anymore, they're going to be like, get, get home like, or get back at school. So I started teaching yoga. And I was juicing all throughout this period of my life. Um, I had been juicing since high school. Just to give you a quick little background, I had celiac growing up, which sparked a fascination for nutrition with me when I was diagnosed. And I started to really you know, put value on the correlation between what you put in your body and how you look and feel. Um, so I'd been juicing all through high school and college. And then... Fast forward, I'm now teaching yoga, and I would take green juices to my classes. And this guy came in to take my class, and he was holding a green juice. And I was like, oh, my God, where'd you get that? And he's like, oh, I make it at home on my Norwalk press, which is a very specific type of cold press that not a lot of people have because it's really expensive, really clunky, really hard to use, a million parts. But I have the same type of juicer. Oh, wow. And I'm drinking green juice, and I'm like, oh, my God, me too. <laughs> Soulmates. So we, oh, we ended up dating, but <laughs> not anymore. But we, we are business partners. But we started this local home delivery service throughout San Diego, and that was really the first version of Suja. So we weren't called Suja at this point. We were just this local home delivery service making it out of his house in my apartment. We would literally go to Whole Foods and buy the produce off the shelf, full retail price, like put it in my little BMW coupe that was like the size of, you know, a motorcycle <laughs> like storage area. I mean, it was just so janky at that point. But um, as time went on and months went on, we started selling to more people at the yoga studio. Um, we started getting a lot more calls. Friends were telling friends. Um, we started a website, and since I was so website illiterate and we had no money, I literally bought HTML for dummies, took the mind-body yoga software that we used at the yoga studio because I also worked the front desk, canceled out all the tabs, and just left the store tab open, and like <laughs> took photos of the juice in glass bottles that we took from another brand and took the labels off, and like took the photos, <laughs> uploaded them. I mean, it was like the jankiest thing ever. But that was really how long ago was this? That was in 2011. Okay, so this was before there was juice places popping up on every corner. Yeah, well, so San Diego um, had nothing except, like, Jamba Juice was the closest thing you could call a juice place or, like, a Whole Foods had a juice bar inside. But for the most part, we were not, like, in L.A. or New York where you guys have had Pressed and Organic Avenue and Liquiteria and all these places. We just didn't have that. So that, I think, is one big reason why it took off as this local little thing because people would be like, oh, what is that when we'd be drinking it or they'd hear friends and they'd say, oh, it's cold-pressed juice, and, you know, where can I buy that? Nowhere, you know. <laughs> so people would call us, and that was um, really how we just kind of created this little cult following throughout San Diego. Um, we got to know our clients really well. We were delivering the juice ourselves. That's how I met my current boyfriend. He called me and ordered juice, and I delivered it and walked up to the door. and Meet cute. Yeah, it was a meet cute. <laughs> 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 it worked out. So, yeah, that was kind of how it started. It was very – it was not like – we had a business plan or knew what we were doing or anything like that. It was very, very just like, we like doing this. It feels good. It's fun. We love it. Let's do it. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I feel like that people, I think sometimes when they have ideas, they always try to think like big picture, which and is and which it's overwhelming. can be really helpful, but also can be detrimental. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's really nice to just have the idea and put one foot in front of the other. That's a great example of that. Yeah, and I've learned there's nothing that you do in your life where you're going to be like, everything's lined up perfectly. I'm ready now. I've got all my ducks in a row. Like, that just doesn't happen. So you might – it's like, do it or don't. Like, 
that's what the only difference. People are always like, oh, how'd you do that? How'd you do this and that? You're so young. The only difference between me and anybody else, everyone is capable of doing whatever they want, is that like we just did it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm really no smarter. I really had no more money. I really had no more experience. I'm, there's no, I have no special sauce. It's really just like the difference between having an idea and then making it happen or just having the idea. You didn't stop forever. to question it. No. But I also had nothing to lose. It wasn't like. So cut to. <laughs> You're like, I either make this juice happen or, or go back to law I school and move back to, back to Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> cut to Coca-Cola. How did they get in the mix? So to take it from, you know, when Eric and I were just doing it, we ended up getting a couple of investors locally that tried the juice. One of them, their wives was buying it and they really liked it and they had business backgrounds. So they wanted to invest and help us get a space. And one of them, um, you know, had a history with really building up businesses. And so he had like more of the business brain to really help take this little idea and make it into a legitimate company that could scale and have distribution and have retail relationships and things like that. So um, he became our CEO, and once they came on, they really helped us do a lot of those important things you need to do to grow a business. And we got in Whole Foods, we got in Costco, we got in Target, we got in Publix, Swan, Safeway, Kroger, wow. all these accounts. Damn. And then, um, you know, companies like Coca-Cola, are st- I think, are starting to see what's going on in the marketplace, and that natural is becoming a lot more common, and it's not becoming natural anymore. It's really becoming the main category, and all these other foods are starting to be exposed for causing health issues, being processed and all this crap that it's doing to our bodies so I think that they're starting to realize we need to get into that space we need to shape up and like really you know instead of trying to bring these brands into us and corporatize them we need to go into them and like Mm. become part of the natural movement so um yeah they they you know wanted to talk to us and kind of learn more about our process and over a few months you know we built a relationship with them and it worked out really beautifully because I think that they're an amazing company in terms of you know, their reach and their scale and their distribution, nobody can really move move product like a company like Coke. And so it really just gives us the legs to get, get you know, more juice into more hands. So you're kind of like beating the system from the inside. Yeah, and a lot of people were freaked out when we made that decision um, because obviously, and I don't blame them. It's like you hear every brand you love all of a sudden becomes corporate. It happens time and time again. It's like, oh, they were bought by this, you know. But for us, the reason that this deal was so perfect they didn't want to like not make us organic or not make us non-gmo and do all this stuff they they knew we had something and they wanted they don't want to that would be dumb of them to want to change it they want to help us so so i want to go back to the when you went from sort of a small mom and pop model to the bigger distribution you had Mm -hmm. to change the processing of the product 100 because we had um another juice person on the show and um she talked about hpp a little Mm -hmm. bit so we have that yeah and so so that's that's like the middle ground between a cold press and like a centrifugal juicer because you do heat it a tiny bit that stands for high pressure processing so we don't heat it actually so what happens is um so we had a two to three day shelf life um when we were originally doing home delivery which is like all cold press juice all cold press juice we didn't do an hpp we didn't do anything But once you start going into stores like Whole Foods, you know, they say we need a 30-day shelf life and we need food safety. So we can't just be selling raw products, whether it's raw milk, whatever. So we were like, okay, how do we get around this? And we're not going to turn on and pasteurize our juice because that completely changes the molecular structure and kills all the vitamins and nutrients that you work so hard to preserve through cold pressing. So through some research, we figured out that HPP had been used on a lot of other food products like guacamole's. You know, because avocados turn brown really quickly. So, you know, even a lot of restaurants that serve sashimis and raw fish and sushi, that has been HPP'd before it arrives. So we learned about this, and through a lot of research and really working closely with a hyperbaric lab, we understood the process and did, tested it on our juice, and it ended up being effective. And so it was um, passed, you know, by the FDA inspections and everything, and we were able to launch. And that increases the shelf life um, over 30 days. And it also makes it safe, you know, that an elderly person, a child, a pregnant person could drink it because it is effectively pasteurized in the sense of pathogen reduction. What do you guys lose in the process? It's very, very, very small amounts of nutrients. Um, So basically what happens, and why I said it's not heated, is the bottles go into an ice bath. And that ice bath around it gets pressurized, so they never come above 40 degrees in the ice bath. So it's actually a really cool process for temp control. But, you know, because the shelf life is so much longer, as the days go by, 
you know, there are small reductions in shelf er, in vitamins. So if sure. you're buying it at 20 days, it, it's not going to have the exact same amount of nutrients as it did at the first day. But if you buy it at three days that hasn't been HPP'd, it's going to have less than it does at that 20 days of a juice that has been HPP'd. Yeah. So it's and kind I of think, like, you know, mm. it's the thing about access and availability too. And it's a great option mm-hmm. to have. And it's so beautiful that it's available to the masses. It is a great option to have, and it blows my mind that it's just now becoming a thing. I feel like every food that's pasteurized should be HPP just because cooking your food to such high temperatures just totally degrades it, and that's why our food is so nutrient-devoid. Well, that and the soil and all sorts of other reasons, but that's one of the big reasons why our food in this day and age is so nutrient-devoid compared to food 50 years ago that our grandparents were eating. What's the average price of a bottle? So... You know, you go to a lot of places like a shop in, you know, L.A. here. It's about or New York. It's about here. $10, $13. So we launched at $8.99. We're down to $7.99. Some SKUs are $5.99. So um, the more we scale, you know, the, obviously the more distribution and the more sourcing that we do, we're able to, you know, get our prices down. And the more mainstream we become, the more we can reach, which means the more bottles we can sell, which means the more bottles we can make and lower the prices, et cetera. So it's been actually – a great thing to grow. That's beautiful. What about your day-to-day with the company now that it's so massive? So I actually stepped away from my daily role back in September. So I'm actually not involved on a daily basis at all in the company, um, which has been really great for me because I feel like it's it's running. It's doing yeah. right now. And I was feeling inspired to do do something different and kind of get my creative juices going again on a new project. So I've really focused on my blog and launching my YouTube channel to sort of share more content. Um, Your blog is blonde.com. Blonde.com. Spell that for us. Mm B-L-A-W-N-D-E, which is sort of just like a cheeky allusion to the fact that a lot of times people assume that girls that are into fashion and beauty and like bloggers are kind of dumb blondes, Um, but you can also be super smart and super entrepreneurial and do really creative cool things. So... Um, the blog had started a couple years ago just because people were constantly asking me through Suja for more information about what I eat, what I do. I used to just post my meals in a day, and that was, like, a thing. Um, and then it sort of evolved over – people were like, what do you eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And I would share it, and they'd be like, oh, my God. I would literally post, like, a grapefruit cut in half with, like, cinnamon on it, and people would be like, what's the recipe? And I'd be like, uh-huh. ah, you cut it, and uh-huh. then you eat it. But um, it's interesting that people are fascinated. They wanted to know so much more, and I was feeling the need to connect on a deeper level, like in my own space and have my own site where I could really post more content. So that's how it kind of started. And as it kind of gained traction and more traffic and picked up speed, I'm sort of building that out now as a place to have my audience there to take them to the next thing that I'm working on, which is a new product. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Can we t- say what a little bit of what that is or we have to... Um, I'm not sharing yet, but I will say that it is still going to be health and wellness, but it's more on the beauty side. Wonderful. We love that. Well, we want keep it. us posted. You, you guys will be the first to get something. One yes. of the very popular uh, segments on your blog segments? I don't know. Yeah, it's like a um, series, I guess. Series Sections. is you think it's healthy, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about healthy, some recent things that that you've covered on that yeah so I just did a video and typically for each post I pick apart four different foods but for this I feel so strongly about it because I have celiac and I wanted to really pick apart the gluten-free movement um I think that back, that's hilarious to me it sounds like a political platform well it's become a big deal and back when I was diagnosed I was a kid I was probably like 12 and I found out because I had a horrible eczema which is autoimmune. And so the pediatrician did an autoimmune panel on me and found out I had celiac. And I mean, I grew up like every other standard kid eating Pop-Tarts and like chicken fingers, pizza, pasta. Like I, everything that I thought of as food, I realized I could no longer eat when Mm. they told me about this. And back then, I didn't even know what gluten was. No one knew what gluten was. We didn't have Whole Foods. Um, I So I avoided basically eating a bunch of processed crap my entire childhood because I couldn't go buy gluten-free bread. My mom couldn't go buy gluten-free cereal, so I just didn't eat cereal. I didn't eat bread. Um, it was like Passover all the time. Well, yeah, pretty much. It was like kosher life. Is that kosher? Is that what that means? Well, Passover, you can't I'm, have I'm anything not... leavened. Okay, So yes. like, for, like in my childhood, flour. those eight days were always really challenging. <laughs> well, they are when you're a kid and, yeah. you know, everything you think of as food is, like, floury and bready. Exactly. And, but now 
that all the gluten-free products that have come out, like the breads, the pastas, the cookies, the crackers, the cakes, I look at the back of the ingredients and just being a health conscious person, gluten or not, I wouldn't eat it because it's so processed. And if you look at the back of like a whole wheat bread, for example, and I did this in my video, there was like four ingredients. It was like whole wheat, salt, yeast, and um, like a little bit of honey. You look at the back of a gluten-free bread and it's like the first four flours are like very starchy. It's like tapioca starch, white rice flour, potato starch, and that's such a higher glycemic piece of bread. It's basically as simple as a white flour bread that's just gonna um, be released in your bloodstream very violently. Whereas that whole wheat piece of bread is a much more simple, easy to digest food. It has the protein and fiber from the gluten and the whole grain. And so for me, I think people are trying to do the right thing and they truly believe it because the marketing around gluten-free has become so, um, you know, it's healthier for you and it's been like drilled into our brains. It's like what low fat was in the 90s. Exactly. And sugar-free. Or light. Yeah. Like, L-I-T. L-I-T. Right. That was sure. cute. It doesn't have fat, but it's got like 500 other chemicals that are worse for you. So yeah. I think... Um, remember, remember when there was like light Pringles and then like five years later they were like oh this causes uh, anal, anal leakage <laughs> 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 we're like oh I guess uh, that's the thing. we're like guinea pigs we, we're, eating, yeah. we're eating stuff because we're being told but like we have to take the responsibility to figure out like for ourselves because we can't trust the food industry to tell us so that's yeah. really what I wanted to create these posts about was to say like you think this is healthy because that's what they're telling you and you may not care about health and nutrition like I do, so you're not taking the extra time. And that's not your fault. You're believing it because that's what we're being told. But um, so I want to, like, expose these things. And so I feel that way about the gluten-free movement a little bit. There's some great gluten-free products too. But if you're going to go gluten-free and you don't have to, you might want to consider sticking with some of the whole grain versions of things because they're actually healthier. Or just going to brown rice, quinoa, whole grains that are gluten-free, not the processed That's what I was going to ask. Foods. So, like, a quinoa based pasta or brown rice pasta is that a good option that's a good option but you do have to know like a quinoa for example has more protein has more fiber brown rice is going to be a lot more simple so you aren't going to be getting as much fiber and as much protein as a whole wheat pasta mm -hmm. and with starches then it's important to put a fat of some sort whether that's a little bit of butter or olive oil or coconut oil on top to slow the absorptions of the sugar into your bloodstream because all store starch gets reduced down to a simple sugar and released into the bloodstream. And the rate of how quickly that happens is dependent on the protein, fat, and fiber because those take longer to digest than starch. Science. Wow. I sound what like else? I like ranting. No, we love no, you it. Know Rant what you're talking on. about. Preach. Um, what about protein bars? So protein bars. This is a category that like drives me crazy because – I think in general there's certain foods that are like typically connotated with working out and exercise and sports and healthy lifestyle, like sports drinks and shakes, protein powders, and protein bars. And when I break down in my next video that's coming out, the ingredients in some of these protein bars and the calorie and fat and sugar content, they are glorified candy bars. I actually compared a few to a Snickers bar and they had a lot more sugar and calories than a Snickers bar. That's I crazy. That. And in my mind, like, I would rather have the freaking Snickers. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the yeah. thing. I noticed, like, they're so ingredients laden, again. And that's the thing is you're getting one benefit there, the protein, and they're blowing that up. But you can get protein if you just go eat, like, a piece of chicken or eat a piece of baked salmon. Um, so if that's really the only benefit, you don't need the protein package with, tons of sugar, tons of calories, tons of saturated fat, trans fat, all this crap you just don't need. There's There are some great bars out there, like an Epic bar. I was going to say Epic is so good. There's like three ingredients and it's literally just like a little bit of dried fruits with grass-fed meat. But those are the type those of foods. Those are so good. If you have to have a convenience food, like you need to be doing your own research because you cannot trust brands anymore. Like these bars that say like XX grams of protein, they don't have on the front like 42 grams of sugar. So, right. like, you don't process that and realize, and you're eating it, and you're like, okay, you're doing your body a lot of harm. And then you go work out, and you think – you can work out for an hour, burn, like, 500 calories. You can undo that with, like, two protein bars. And, like, Think Thin, all those other bars are so dry that I feel like that so also messes up my my bowels. It's just not it's like, easy to digest. It's like glue. It just, like, sits like yeah, a brick in your stomach. Yeah, that's what it feels stomach. like. Yeah. And uh. I, I think that I'll, just in general, I'm not a fan of bars because I would rather sit down and eat whole food. It feels more substantial. We're psychological eaters. It doesn't look like a lot of food when you eat a bar, but that bar could be 500 calories that you could have on a plate with a lot of different variety and feel like you actually had a meal. I yeah. just bought this kind of bar, which I feel like you'll you'll be on board with. 
Oh, I love these. This is yeah. a go raw. These are amazing. Yeah. Their banana bread one, like, die. It's you so have good. to try it. Okay. Oh my God, I just so tried this one. So these are amazing because you can read everything on here, and none of this is, like, filler. Yeah. So do you want to read and tell us what was in it? Sprouted pumpkin spe- seeds, sprouted flax seeds, dates, raw agave nectar, and Celtic sea salt. So the great thing about sprouting your nuts is it increases the protein, decreases the starch, and makes it more bioavailable. So it's basically, like, pre-digested because mm. nuts and seeds can be really difficult to digest. Yeah. I had an almond problem growing up. Really? I would eat like in high school I thought that I should go on this diet called the seven natural way the, the, the seven natural steps I'm like my friends you started young with the, your diet yeah it was really crazy I had an eating disorder um my friend's dad like oh, yeah over that. yeah no my friend's dad like started this company and and uh so I started doing it and basically the only food that you were supposed to eat was apples um grilled chicken was it eggs on and there? and nuts okay so I would like during school hours, it actually helped me because, you know, if you think about the way that school is set up, it's pretty crazy. Like, you have breakfast or whatever you have in the morning, which I used to have, like, a half a butter roll and, like, a slim fast shake. Yeah. And then it would be, like, nine hours or, like, you know, literally six hours before lunch. I had lunch, like, the second to last period of the day, so I didn't have, like, any food. And then you're at the cafeteria and it's, like, all crap, so you give your body, like, the worst food you could have. Yeah, so it actually kind of helped me, like, be more present, but what I was doing was eating, like, handfuls of almonds, and I gave myself, like, a crazy stomach problem because I just wasn't digesting any of it. Well, the other thing about nuts is they have a protective coating. Mm. Um, on them like lectins and phytates to protect them in nature from like a birds and environmental damage so like our bodies have to so do like um, whole grains and lentils and beans and stuff but like anything with a shell like that so unless you like sprout them or soak, soak them, them or even roasting can help deactivate some of those but like raw nuts can be really tough to digest for that reason so you should have like four of them yeah, <laughs> or you should, you could do nut butters, which also like kind of break them down a little bit, so they're not so sharp and so like difficult. They're softened a little bit. Mm. With the nut butters, do we always want to look for a raw nut butter? You know, I'm not totally against um, like gently, lightly roasted or toasted. I buy this one on Vitacost. It says it's lightly toasted because mm. I actually feel like it helps deactivate some of those uh, lectins and phytates, but. Most of the ones that have gone through a process like roasting also have palm oil or even worse, like yeah, what corn is oil and crap oil added. And then, like, if it's a GIF, like a high fructose corn syrup or something, and then even a natural brand has, like, a coconut sugar, palm sugar, even Justin's, one of my favorite nut butter brands, added sugar. So um, it's really hit or miss. I mean, I'm okay with – if you want to toast your own almonds and throw them in the food processor, I actually started doing that. It seems so much harder. It takes, like, seven minutes. You have to scrape down the side a couple times – you can make any nut butter you want in your food processor. It's like the easiest thing in the world. But for me, I like knowing what's in it. And yeah. I, if I'm going to use an oil, I want it to be an oil that's not a cheap, nasty processed vegetable oil. I want it to be a high-quality, cold-pressed oil that's not been molecularly changed through high heat and become rancid. So what's your, your oil of choice? My oil of choice is 100% olive oil. Cool, Just same. because people are so on this coconut oil trend, and I love coconut oil, don't get me wrong. And I know it's got all this like current buzz about weight loss and being antibacterial. It's a very heavy oil. If you've put it on your skin, you know it sits on top. It's a very heavy oil. Olive oil is a much easier to digest, lighter oil. Um, and so for me, I really prefer it in my cooking because I feel better after I eat it. And it doesn't harden. It like, doesn't harden. That you can is pour so it. scary about yeah. coconut oil. How like if it if it's not extremely hot then it's a solid mass i'm like that must happen in your body right it's mostly saturated which i'm not against saturated fat in natural forms but it definitely is heavier thicker and just much tougher to break down the fat globules the size of the fat structures is much larger and they're a little bit different sizes where it's all uniform with olive oil and like italians live to be in their hundreds so they True must that. be knowing also, something wait, coconut oil right? i only like using it for cooking with sweet things like i can't i'm not the, it's i has got can't a flavor it, yeah. yeah like i cannot and olive oil it. has a flavor too although it very it melts into Savory. everything yeah so my only note about olive oil when you're doing high heat cooking like if you're doing want to sear anything or if you want to saute veggies um, or if you're heating like above 350, you don't want to use it because just it has a low smoke point. So you can use avocado oil, right? You could use avocado oil. My other one that I like to use is grapeseed oil, but mm. you have to make sure to get um, organic. The other one that I love, and people are going to think this is crazy too, is just butter or ghee. 
Um, you can also no. I'm on board with butter. Everyone needs to relax about, about hating butter. butter. Butter it's is actually delicious. Got conjugated linoleic acid CLA, which is really really good for your body. And people think that it's dairy. The amount of lactose in butter is so low. That's why on the back. So anything ending in oats is a sugar. So lactose, sucrose, maltose, fructose. It's a sugar. When you look at the back of milk, there's nine grams a cup, even when there's no sugar added, and that's the lactose. When you look at the back of butter, it's the fat removed from the milk solid. So it's literally just the butter fat. So there might be trace amounts, but there's zero grams of sugar in butter, meaning there's very, very little lactose. And if you're paranoid about it, you can get ghee, which is totally clarified and purified, and it's just the straight-up butter fat that's been completely tested and removed from the lactose. But ghee is sweeter than butter also. I don't love cooking really? ghee. Really? Yeah. Do you think that? Yeah. I put it on because I always make this, like, mochi toast. Mm-hmm. Oh, that I, sounds great. Yeah, they sell those, like, bricks of mochi. Yeah. And I, put, I usually put – What's mochi? It's rice. Okay. Um, like a rice flour, it's, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a rice flour. And, like, the, you know the desserts with the um, – Yeah. It's like, have you, I feel like that's where most people. Oh, the people, mochi with yeah. the bean yeah, but, curd but, base, right? But the, but the outside, right? Yeah, it's like the outside. So it's, the mochi. it's kind of like this, like, it's almost, yeah, it's like a gooey, like, crust kind of, yeah, okay, texture. Okay. So I started making this thing where I would take mochi and then put, like, a little slice of fresh goat cheese in it mm-hmm. and put, like, a little honey. It was really good. And then I was like, oh, I'll try that with ghee. And I tried it with the ghee and it was, like. Too sweet. Yeah, it was a weird well, then you should stick with butter. If you're not worried about, like, trace amounts of lactose, you're fine. Yeah, I mean, I, prob- I think the cheese I'm putting on it is probably more lactose I think also, <laughs> I think also um, ghee, typically when you buy it, has no salt added. Maybe and that's butter is usually salted, so it tastes a little bit more mm. delicious and, like, savory and palatable. But for the most part, um, I think that it's just so funny that people have gotten so obsessed with coconut oil, and there are so many great benefits to it, but it is a very heavy oil, and so, like, you can definitely OD. Yeah, mostly it's just a great lube. Right, like, yeah. keep it simple. <laughs> it, it's true. Yeah. It, it, keep it simple. Go back to olive oil, butter, you know. Wonderful. You're dropping the knowledge, Annie. Lawless. Is there anything else that you feel like there's been misinformation on that you feel like is your current kind of, like, tell us what's up thing? Um, so I'm super duper not into juice cleanses, which is so funny. Because <laughs> you have a juice company? Yeah, <laughs> and we sell them, but I've actually never done one. And I do think that um, there are a lot of sugar. And, yeah. I, I, you know, I'll be the first to say it. I think that consuming six bottles of juice a day with fruit in them, which most people are doing, because if you're on a juice cleanse without fruit, then you're pretty much surviving on no calories and, like, you know, some, lettuce water so you have to have <laughs> but for me especially women you we have a higher amount of candida in our bodies which is why we get yeast infections skin things hormonal imbalances mood swings but um I don't get any of that stuff I don't know what you're talking oh, about oh I, I get that vibe <laughs> I'm really imbalanced <laughs> but like I think women forget that we're very sensitive to sugar and we're so afraid of fats. I follow a high-fat diet, and I just really don't And eat. she's so skinny, by the way, you guys. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, th- but the funny thing is, my, my boyfriend, like, always used to be really weirded out when we would first start dating. He didn't know me yet. I can eat – I eat more than him. And, like, I eat caloric foods. Like, I eat steak. I eat grass-fed meat all the time. I eat butter on everything. You know, I eat a lot of fat, but I don't eat a lot of sugars, and that includes starches because they become sugar. So the only starches that I really have are like root vegetables and stuff. I try to stay away from grains altogether, but that's an aside. My point is women, I think, are focusing on the wrong things, which is calories, and you're looking at the back of a juice, and you're like, this is only 110 calories, but this, you know, half an avocado is like 240, or, you know, this steak is going to be, you know, 500, yet I'm not snacking and going home and picking at little bits of crackers and starchy food late at night because I had a steak for dinner. I'm full. I'm done. Like, I'm good. And so I think that a lot of times with juice cleanses, women OD on the sugar because it's low calories and they think they're cleansing. But during that time period that they're cleansing, they're learning nothing about how to eat differently. So when they're off the cleanse, they're going to return to the same style of eating that made them want to cleanse in the first place. Mm. So I'm way more about cleansing your diet than cleansing your body. Juice has no magical properties. It's not gonna like it's not a magnet that sops toxins out of your tissues and like you pee it out. That's just not what happens. Truth. And so I think people believe that and they think they're detoxing when really you're just starving yourself and which is gonna fuck up your metabolism. Then when you go back to eating, you're gonna do what you were doing before because you've learned nothing new. Mm-hmm. You've just right. learned how to stop eating for a few days. So for me, <laughs> I'm way about I'm way more I'm a holistic health coach, so I work with people um, kind of on the side. 
And I'm way more about giving people approachable non-deprivation meal plans that help teach them how to eat Mm. in four-week periods. So like the first week, they do this, then they bring a couple foods back the second week, a couple foods back the third week. Then by that fourth week, they're eating a pretty well-rounded whole foods diet. They understand portions now. They could probably eat like that forever without feeling like they're on a plan. I want them to be able to leave that fourth week and fly and feel like I could eat this way forever and not feel like, oh, I'm finally done. That was so fucking hard. So it's really about teaching people how to eat again, and I think juice cleanses are kind of bullshit for that. When is the proper time to have a juice? As a snack? As a meal? So for me, like, I usually do three a day. So I like to have – and I do pretty low-sugar juices, so Mm -hmm. I pick one fruit. I don't have a juice like carrot, apple, pineapple, orange. You know, I do, like, greens with some apple or, you know, a pineapple mint, you know, with just water. Like, I don't like to do anything that's too high in sugar. But in the morning, I usually can't um, – is when I work out or else it's never going to happen in the day. <laughs> so it doesn't happen every morning. But in my best efforts, I can't work out with a full stomach and it's usually too early for me to be hungry anyway. But I know I need to have some before I work out because when I'm done, then I'm going to be like, I'm eating everything for breakfast. Right. So I have like a juice probably around like 7. I go to the gym, go to yoga, whatever's, whatever it is I'm doing that day. I come back. I'm not so starving by this point because, like, I'm not shaking. My blood sugar was high enough when I started. So I can usually, like, shower and chill and, like, actually think about what I want for breakfast instead of being so ravenous. And then I'll usually have a couple scrambled eggs and, like, some avocado or some smoked salmon and some scrambled eggs. I usually do some sort of protein thing for breakfast to keep me full. And then around lunchtime-ish, I have another juice. And that's mostly to hydrate. That's mostly to figure out how hungry I really am at lunch. Do I really need to eat right this second? I'm typically not starving by that point because I had a juice. I'm not thirsty, so I feel like I can make good decisions. Then late afternoon, I'll have my third and final juice, and that's the lowest sugar. So that's usually a green with no fruit. And I like to have that because it rehydrates me again. I can head into dinner, especially if I've got plans that night that I'm not in control. Like, oh shit, I'm meeting my friends at 7. We won't eat till 8.30. I'm not like... Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I'll have french fries and a burger. You know, I'm, right. I'm like... Setting yourself up for success. Right, I can take it or leave it. Like, I'm good. So I get to dinner, and that's usually, like, a pretty mellow meal for me. I usually have fish with some sort of, like, asparagus, spinach, you know, maybe a little bit of quinoa if I feel like I need it. Um, But I keep it really simple at dinner time, and I feel like setting myself up through like that through the day and alternating with, like, hydration and meals makes me make smarter choices with my meals, curbs my hunger. And I feel like it also just keeps me from getting too hungry. So I'm a huge believer in not eating when you're not hungry because I feel like people just eat to eat and your body's not set up for digestion when you're not hungry. But I'm also not a huge believer the minute you feel a little bit of hunger, put, put something or else you're going to get ravenous and then you're not in control of your choices anymore. It's like a it's like a hunter mentality. It's a biological thing that we all have. We're humans. And when we get hungry, we're like, we need food. Yeah. So if you let yourself get too hungry, you will hunt and seek whatever you can find near you, which is not always good. Mm. So real. So Damn. good. So um, we always ask our guests this, if we remember. Um, what <laughs> is your morning ritual? Um, if, do you have one? I do. So my boyfriend calls this my diva time. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but literally, like, every night I ask him what time he needs to get up, and I set my alarm for 30 minutes before that because I need – to have my alone time in the morning because I meditate every morning and this might sound like a hokey and I know like meditation's becoming a thing right now but I had really bad anxiety all through high school and college and I still like I'm a very very like anxious person I'm very perfectionist I'm very high stress and I like to like drive myself nuts during the day so if I don't meditate in the morning I'm kind of a psycho and I've just <laughs> learned that like taking some time to really just be silent, be present. I like to do this in the bathroom, usually like kind of by my bathtub. I have a little skylight and windows and stuff, so I feel like it's just my world. Um, and I just like just stay in the present moment. I don't even try to like get all thoughts out of my head, but I just like let them kind of go. I like to like sometimes I'll think about something over and over, like a, a phrase, just to keep my mind. But once I'm done with that, I'm kind of like okay, nothing's really that important. Like, I'm good. I feel chilled out, and it it sticks with me. So I've been doing that for several years, and it's, like, probably something I'll do forever. It's changed my whole life. So I do that for 30 minutes. I do, like, a half get-ready routine. I even wear gym. I even wear makeup to the gym. So I do a little, (laughs) like, wash my face, you know, do my skincare, put on a little makeup. Then I do my workout. So lately I've been boxing a ton. That's, like, my new thing. Um, But I used to teach yoga. I've always done yoga. That's, like, a really big part of my life. So I do yoga some days. Some days we live right by the water, so I'll just go for a walk on the beach for, like, an hour. 
Um, but it kind of just depends. Nothing I do is really that hardcore. Like I'm not like a marathoner or, but it's just something to move my body and get me feeling like I've checked that box for the day and I've like gotten outside and I feel good. Um, and then, like I said, I come home, get ready, usually check emails. And then I do breakfast around like 930. It's really Sounds exciting good. stuff over there. No, that I is exciting. It. I like the idea of the, the 30 minutes before the boyfriend wakes. Yeah. And it's not like that he, it's not about him at all. It's just about the fact that I feel like I'm in my world. I don't have his noise. I don't hear the coffee maker downstairs. I don't hear the shower going. I just know that there's nobody up. Nobody needs me. Nobody's waiting for me to be done. Nobody wants to talk to me. Like I am there in that early, early part of the day when the sun's coming up with me, myself, and I, and I like need that. And it's become a really like cherished part of my day for me. It's wonderful. And we can find you. It's blonde.com. Blonde.com, B-L-A-W-N-D-E. And I also have a YouTube channel called Annie Lawless TV. So, um, yeah, that's a newer thing. And I just kind of, and it's kind of an extension of my blog. I basically just video about some of the same stuff that I would blog about. But I'm and what about instead. Instagram? And I'm on Instagram. My handle is just my name, Annie Lawless, and I'm on Snapchat as The Blonde, so spelled like my blog. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. So such so educational. Oh, thank you. I'm inspired. As am I. This was fun. <laughs> thank you having so me. much. Yeah. Yes, that's a retrograde. Hey. Hi. <laughs> so I guess it's time to get into our favorite segment. Is it? Reader listener mail. Oh. Ding. Yeah. Reader listener mail. So this one We comes don't know how they consume it, but they do. From Lauren. Sorry, I'm... that was my song. Like it. Like button. Thank you. Okay. So this <laughs> one comes from Lauren who just moved. I'm going to paraphrase this. She just moved from... Providence to San Diego. She's in Cali now. She's loving the whole Cali lifestyle. Interested in some places in Los Angeles that mm-hmm. we enjoy. So I've I, never heard you say Cali before, and I never want you to say it again. I'm, I'm never going to say it again. Okay. Thank Cali you. style. No, <laughs> it has avocados. <laughs> Avocado. Um, to my Michigan roots. Yeah. Um, so we we a few episodes ago we we touched on our LA faves faves, and we're just gonna keep it going because guess what? This city is full of fun stuff. Yeah, we're just gonna give you a few more hot tips. Hot tips. Start. Go start. So um, summer specific, Barnsdale Park, which is a beautiful park in Hollywood. They do this wine tasting with Silver Lake wines, and mm. you pay. I think you pay like. I think it's like 20 bucks. 20 bucks, something like that. You get a ticket ahead of time. It always sells out. You go bring a picnic. There's food trucks, and you just get to taste all these wines, and it is... And if you smile at them, they'll give you extra yeah. free samples. Yeah, and the more the, more, uh, the night progresses, the more they do a heavier hand They don't pour. care, yeah. And I don't even really drink wine, but I drink wine for this. Like, lols, she totally drinks wine. Another fun... It's not my preferred beverage of choice. My preferred beverage of choice... For is all tequila. Of you curious is tequila with a bit of soda water and an orange. But you Thank also you. drink White Girl Rose. Hi, hi, hi. Shout out to our friends at White Girl okay. Rose. It gives me a hidachi. That's headache. Oh, it does? Yeah. Not I. Like wine gives me a headache, so I can't. All right. Um, the other, I didn't even write this down, but I think that I should mention another cool picnicy spot is um, the Cinespiza. Uh, Cinespia? Yeah. What is it? I, don't, I always thought it was Cinespia. Cinespia. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a it disease like, when I say it. It's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, Sinespia, Sinespiza, whatever. Tell us what you think. Um, no one's going to say it. to you. Uh, it's the the summer movie series where you can yeah. go watch movies outside in the cemetery. That's really cool. And that's really fun. Um, another thing is I don't eat eggs, so I have a hard time with breakfast and brunch places. So I love to go to Real Food Daily on La Cienega. They have a great RFD. Yeah, they have a great tofu scramble with tempeh bacon and sides potatoes, yeah, and it makes a, you feel like you're having a brunch experience. It's like one of the first, I think, big vegan places here in LA. It's delish. It's a classic. It's been around for a long time. Speaking of firsts, Beverly Hills Juice has been here for so long. It's on Beverly and Orlando. It's cash only. It's been here since long before the big juice wars began in LA, and it's delicious. The big bang of juice. And the best thing that they have is this, um, like almond banana, like icy 
thing that they use. It's like an ice cream substitute. And then you get, I always get the carrot and coconut. It's so naughty. Yummy, and I want that. And then they make the shake and they'll do it extra chunky. And it is so good. Oh my God, I want that right But if now. you want like a healthier sugarless version, you can get, they have like a super green and mix that with the, the almond banana and make that a smoothie and it's just as good. Well, I want to go right now. It's fabulous. Bye, I'm going to Beverly Hills. And Hostess. then on that ice cream tip, my dad loves ice cream. So every time we come to LA, that's like the the nightly excursion. That's is so cute. We try all the different ice cream places. So I feel like well-versed in the LA ice cream scene. For instance, Salt and Straw, which I know you love, Steph. So good. I've never seen someplace more hopping. Like, there is literally a velvet rope outside. It's like getting into a club. And they're always so <laughs> busy. It's insane. There's one in Venice and there's one on Larchmont. Yeah. It's so good. But I like to hit the sushi place on Larchmont, then hit the Salt oh, yeah. and Straw. It's and like then, a real trifecta of things. And then the – but my new favorite place in Los Feliz is Jenny's Ice Cream. It's the tastiest. So good. I went there – I, I guess I really like combining sushi and ice cream because remember when I was having my solo adventure, mm-hmm. I got ice cream and then I went to sushi after that from Jenny's. Oh, yeah. So, so good. Ate it in my car. No and shame. then me and Steph's favorite place for sushi, again, another cash-only haunt yeah. here is Noshi Sushi. So good. On Beverly. It's the real deal. It's delicious, really well-priced, really spectacular. Fresh as fuck. And so those are our LA Guide Part 2 recommendations, part you guys. Part 2. Um, it's time for roses and thorns. Okay, my first thorn is that we sometimes pre-record, so we're not like topical onto the week's events. So, um, this is a little late in terms of what's been going on in the world. Yes. And obviously, it's been a thorn of the past few days. Just really, the state of the world is... It's I don't definitely, words. we should just cut Florida off, I'm <laughs> feeling like. I'm feeling like we just should just saw it off. Yeah, let them fend for themselves. Let them float into the ocean. But I still would like to go to the Keys. If we've, I if we've cut off Florida, it's literally like we're castrating the United States. Florida really is the penis of the USA. Truly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so let's just say that um, I guess our thorn is obviously what happened in Orlando um and but i would like to say that if we can learn anything from that it's that we have a responsibility as woke humans to teach people the importance of loving and accepting themselves yeah i feel like you know if that man's family and community had supported whatever he was feeling or encouraged him to accept who he was inside then i don't think Something like that would have happened. Yeah. I heard Marianne Williamson do a talk that she recorded that I'm going to link out in which she really got to the crux of accepting love into your heart and really giving – it's very – these things seem so senseless and it's very hard to have belief in love when something so harrowing occurs. Mm-hmm. And she – said it so well, so I just want to link that out, and it gave a little bit of solace to such a, a heart-wrenching situation. Um, something else that I, I think we all, but when things happen like this, it's like love is what prevails, and I it makes you hug your the people you love a little bit tighter and really realize what's important. So I guess that's somewhat of a rose that comes out of situations like this. Well, I went th- that day. I went or the next day on Sunday. I went to L.A. Pride to be with my brother and to be with all of his friends. And they were really emotional and they were crying. And I felt like I couldn't be the emotion. I I couldn't be emotional because I needed to be strong for them. And it really was amazing that regardless of what had happened even the person who had supposedly had explosives in his, in his car in Santa Monica, even after all that, there was so thousands of people celebrating and came out to show that they are proud and they that they are a community and it is something that cannot be stifled by one act of violence. And so that was something that was really, really awesome. And it was bittersweet, you know? Like, on one hand, they were celebrating, and then it was intermixed with tears and sadness and... You know, having a, a gay brother, it's definitely, like, very close to home. Like, knowing even what he went through growing up, it, 
he yeah he said he's like I've never been afraid to like be who I am and I've never been afraid to like just live my truth and that event made me feel like I like needed to hide yeah. and not be myself and that's just like so tragic so I don't I think if it, if if anything we should just become stronger from that and encourage community to support all different kinds of people. I don't even have words to describe it. It's but impossible. It's, a, it's unimaginable. A really kind of beautiful moment. Um, I had gone out on a walk just to kind of walk through the sadness and the heaviness that my heart was feeling that I could feel just like in the air. And uh, I was walking in Silver Lake on sunset and uh, looked down and there was chalk for people to use. So there's an artist in Los Angeles named Dallas Clayton and he we've we've Instagrammed his work a few times and he has a very beautiful messaging about love and togetherness. You guys check him out at Dallas Clayton. Uh, manifest destiny as a future guest, by the way. <laughs> you hear me? Um, and he so I had just stumbled upon one of his murals and he had left chalk out for people to spread love through coloring on the sidewalk. I love that. And I sat down on the pavement and I started coloring and it was the most beautiful, somewhat cathartic, somewhat like almost heaven sent moment of just being feeling so dark and heavy, but then all of a sudden there's like glimmer of you know, there's all these people just on the pavement coloring and that was his intention for leaving it out and it was um it was a really powerful moment. I haven't I don't know if I can quite really put words to it, but it was really meaningful and I am very grateful for that little light within such darkness that that happened that day. It's beautiful. Um so I guess what we the stem of it all <laughs> is that we can really bring the conversation of love into everything that we're doing and for on the rose side of things there's a comedian named Hassan Minaj who gave the uh, a speech at the Congress Correspondents Dinner mm -hmm. and it's awesome you have to watch it but the last like three minutes are him directly addressing gun control and it's a rose of a moment like in your face Congress he basically calls them out for not doing anything because the NRA is filling their pockets with money and it's just like he's in a room of all the people who are doing the exact thing that he's talking about and it's fucking badass dope we should post okay, it okay we're gonna post that we're gonna post Marianne's talk and we're gonna like feel inspired instead of sad yes um so that was the that's our show that's our show what a fucking roller coaster of roller a show coaster whoo um, but again, spread love, spread love, be light, stay woke. Namaste, listening. Exactly. Also, Thanks find so us much. on social media. You can find us at So Retrograde, <laughs> uh, at that's so retrograde.com and shoot us emails at that's so retrograde at gmail.com. I'm gonna say shalom, the goodbye one for now, and I'll see you after my journey. We're gonna miss you, Elizabeth. Love you. Ruff, ruff. Bye. <laughs> Yes, that's a retrograde!